Laughing at um, them being them talking about city people. <laughs> 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 Lucy's comments are just great. Yeah, is that that's Buenta Vista? Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. And then there was one earlier where they're talking about um, um, one of the, yeah one of the guys had his wife had just given birth recently and they're talking about afterbirth and then he buried it in the backyard <laughs> under a tree and then <laughs> so they had a female guest on. And then he he was mentioning how yeah you opened up and it smelled and then she's like this this tub full of spay vagina pods <laughs> it, it didn't smell pleasant <laughs> just and then, yeah she's just like chunks of pussy <laughs> she's saying it okay he <laughs> <laughs> bury an afterbird. I don't know. He was talking that they were supposed to be. He was supposed to be eating it because it's a nutrient dense thing, and he's like could, the could placenta, you put... yeah, but not like everything else. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, because some people like dehydrate it or yeah. whatever. There's no then... medical like. I love her recording right now. I know. Um, um, there's no like medical like backing to it, but I don't know. They say it's super like nutrient dense and whatever. I'm like, there's a lot of things that are nutrient dense that I would not put in my body. <laughs> I mean, it came out of a person like you or whatever. Pee has like, a lot of nutrients in it, and I've read things that claim that you should drink your morning pee, but I'm never gonna do that. <laughs> Hard pass. <laughs> Fucking bear girl. Yeah. That's I mean, just... he still looks young. <laughs> still out there, you know, with his camera crew hiding under trees and shit. Hiding under trees, just randomly take a walk through the woods and just like hear something and like, what the fuck, Bear Grills? Is that you? <laughs> just, it's got his piss snake. <laughs> um, dude, there's a stream. Right over there. <laughs> <laughs> I got hope. Holy shit. <coughs> Alright. Um that was quite the opener. Mm-hmm. I enjoy this. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. So today I am going to be talking about the short life and tragic death of Phoenix Sinclair, who was a five-year-old indigenous girl that was murdered on the Fisher River Cree Nation in Manitoba, Canada. So Fisher River Cree Nation, 
I looked it up. There, it's 193 kilometers north of Winnipeg, mm-hmm. which I don't know. That seems. I think that's really, really far. Yeah, <laughs> super far. Um, which sucks because, like, I really hate how a lot of these like First Nation reserves are super secluded. Yeah. And I mean, that's the government's whole plan. Yeah, like once you like once you kind of look where like look at where everything is located, it's like there's. Okay, it's not. It's not as far as I thought. Um, it's two and a half hour drive from here. Okay, so that's like about what Brandon. Uh yeah, it's distance? near like um, I like think. as. People from Manitoba specifically would know, but, like, it's up near, like, Ashern. Oh, okay. Um, But, yeah, it's about the distance from here to Brandon. I was thinking, like, it was more, like, up north, like, the Paw or, like... Yeah. Gillum or... How fucking far is Churchill from here? They have polar bears in Churchill, right? Yeah. I went there, um... As a field trip in, I think, grade five, we took a train over there because that's the only way you can get over there <clears throat> from Gillum. Because, like, where we were in Gillum, that's, like, the end of the road. Yeah. Pretty much. And then, I don't know, it might have changed now because it's been, like, 12-ish years since we were there. But, like, yeah. at the time, to get any further north, which <gasps> is Churchill, you had to either fly in or take a train. Oh <laughs> there was God. no roads. Um. Yeah. Like, Churchill is... It's kind of fucked up, actually, how many communities in, like, Manitoba. I don't know what it, it's like <laughs> elsewhere, but, like, it's all flying. I tried to check, like, Winnipeg to Churchill Driving. It says, cannot find a way there. Cannot find a way there. You're fucked. Um, let's try. But, actually, don't Canadians all have polar bears? Don't we all ride polar bears and live in igloos? Um, yeah, like Gillum, where I used to live, is 1,065 kilometers from here. So it's wow. 11 hours and 39 minutes to drive. Holy shit. Or nine days if you want to walk. <laughs> <laughs> Google Maps says two days if you're riding a bicycle. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Could you fucking imagine? No. God. Um, what was I going to say there? Uh... Fuck, you said something, and then I was... Polar bears and igloos? Oh, it was the igloos thing. Um, Winnipeg Wildin was talking. I I don't know if it was legit or not, but people were building, like, igloos by the... Well, not necessarily igloos, but, like, fishing... Like, fishing huts or whatever by the river. Uh And I don't know if it was real, but I guess people were reporting, like, bear dens by the river. (laughs) Well, that's like somebody. Did I cut myself? Or is that? Is he bleeding? Or I just scratch myself too hard with my nail. That's Maybe. entirely possible. That happens um, to me. But somebody, I guess, near the zoo, like, did a snow sculpture of like a tiger. Oh yeah. And so the zoo was getting calls in the middle of the night saying there was a tiger on the loose. People are. And they're ridiculous. like, can people please stop doing this? Because apparently it's happened quite often. I yeah. I it's... love that the city like because there have been a lot of sexually suggestive snow sculptures around the oh, city, yeah. and they're like, 
everyone please stop doing I, this. I would love it if that was true because like the city is just ridiculous sometimes there's like, photos and just... like screenshots of like the city being like you guys gotta stop yeah because <laughs> they've been getting calls from people to like tear them take down. them down which because... is stupid like it's no just go kick it if it's bugging you yeah i mean like it's i guess not... if it's on somebody else's property they but don't want to just it's like city property like if it's yeah. just a bench like but i'm sure if it's I'm sure most of it's, like, in people's yards, right? Oh, and so they can't okay. just, like, go in there and kick shit over. I mean, it's snow either way, but, you know, somebody's gonna get fucking Oh, if it's in somebody's it. yard, though, like, don't report them. Jeez. But my like... kid's eyes. I mean, somebody made a giant dick one, which I'm like, that's fucking hilarious, but... And then there was one where it was like, um, I think some- one of the snow person was like, because I'm not going to assume their gender, but um, <laughs> was like kind of relaxing yeah. back on like a bench kind of thing. And there was another one like giving him head. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> well, and then I think someone went and like drew a huge dick in front of like Pallister's mansion or yeah. something on the river. And I mean, I'm like, how do these people know where he lives? Which that's I don't know. It's so well he's creepy. Not there half the time anyway. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's fucking Mexico or some shit. Yeah. Or where does he have a place? Costa Rica or something? Well probably. I wouldn't doubt if he spent like his Christmas holidays there. Like okay Ted Cruz, calm down. Yeah, fucking Ted Cruz. <laughs> The Zodiac Killer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, um, I'm going to get into the... uh, Toning down the... Macais. Macais. Toning down the laughing now, because it's about to get real fucking sad real fucking quick. Macaises. Um, but yeah, so today I'll be talking... Again, about the life and death of Phoenix Sinclair, who, um, again, was a five-year-old indigenous girl that was murdered on the Fisher River Cree Nation in Manitoba, Canada. Phoenix Sinclair was born on April 23, 2000 in Winnipeg, Manitoba, to Samantha Kimach and Steve Sinclair. Due to previous involvement with child and family services, as well as being determined unable to care for a child, Phoenix was removed from the custody of Samantha and Steve shortly after she was born. And this is unfortunately something that is super common in Canada, especially with Indigenous children, which Mm -hmm. I believe is super fucked up. Yeah, like, I don't know the rates, like, in the rest of the country, but Mm -hmm. I feel like... This is my own opinion. Um, I feel like it happens way, way, way too often in Manitoba. I don't know about, like, the rest of the country, but, like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, as of March 2020, there were 9,849 children in foster care in Manitoba. 90% are Indigenous of that number. So it's super high. Um... For the first few months of her life, Phoenix was first placed in a temporary housing shelter and then later with a foster family where her parents were allowed visitation. And by September 2000, Phoenix was returned to the custody of her parents, 
under the condition they attend training classes on how to properly care for a child. This training was to be provided by CFS and was later determined to be inadequate, which is not surprising because we all know that it's like understaffed and underfunded and the people that are there I'm not gonna say a lot because I don't know how many do but I mean there are a lot of people working in child care that shouldn't be in child care oh yeah so as we will see with this which case, is why I almost never want to put Drake in daycare because I don't trust nobody I don't want to put my future children in daycare either. I don't... I also can't fucking afford it, so... Yeah, like... <clears throat> unfortunately, I do know people who have also been, like, abused mm-hmm. in daycare facilities, so... I'm I mean, just... I used to work in childcare, so... Mm-hmm. Like, I know it's, like... Even they're, like, underpaid, but... Oh, 100%. If you don't like kids, don't go into the profession of... Caring for. Caring for and entertaining children. And, and also same with, like, Like, no one's forcing care. you to, to be in child care. Like. Yeah, like, and same with, like, medical care. Yeah. Whenever you hear, like, all these stories of um, abuse with patients and mm-hmm. stuff, like, it fucking bugs me to no end. Yeah. Well, there was, um, sorry, going off no, on no. another thing, but there was a TikTok I saw yesterday, yesterday or the day before. Um, this woman was saying, or she was like, I can't remember when it happened. I think it was like two years ago or something, but she was like, do you guys all remember in Winnipeg when, um, there was something happened and like the fire paramedic showed up and the paramedic, cause I guess they're understaffed or whatever. There was only one of them. And he, that paramedic asked one of the firefighters to assist him and, or her, whatever. And the firefighter declined because it was an indigenous person which what the and fuck? then um <clears throat> was calling the paramedic racial racial slurs because it was a black paramedic oh like, this was um because i think the people were calling like wanting an investigation into that right because yeah. i think that there were a lot of um firefighters i think were the ones who were um someone reported them making racial comments on facebook and now like we're at the point where we need to hold people accountable for well, the like, these things so. we were talking earlier you told me about how the winnipeg police are like trying to like fuck with a local business by mm-hmm. like stating on Facebook that they're gonna like put in fake orders and then not pick them up. And it's all because they support a local group called uh, Winnipeg Police Harm, which is just bringing awareness to the unfairness and the injustice that the Winnipeg Police Service has been Acute, well, like, like they've been accused of, and it's quite evident that the Winnipeg Police Service, um, hopefully, we don't get sued or anything. Allegedly, allegedly, um, yeah, they're they just get accused of racism a lot. We'll just say that, yeah. And 
when I don't have money for a lawyer, so please yeah. don't come for me. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. But Winnipeg Police Harm, follow them for uh, information on some of the stuff that they're being accused of, which is not true. Um, they were accused of being a hate group, which they're not a hate group. Of I mean, I... pretty much so. the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, we recommend actually like going and educating yourself on what Winnipeg Police Harm is all about because they're just uh, an information outlet as far as I'm concerned. So, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, circling back to the case here, I think where I was at was... Uh, <clears throat> so by September 2000, which is the same year that Phoenix was born... Uh, she was returned to the custody of her parents, again, just under the condition they undergo training class, like parent training classes, because uh-huh. they were, uh, it was <clears throat> young, and there were a young couple, and um, both were reported to have had traumatic childhoods, so it they were both kind of at a disadvantage when it came to caring for a young child themselves. Yeah. <clears throat> so, like, right away, um, we're seeing here that even just within the first six months of her life, like, Phoenix is shuffled from her parents to a housing shelter to a foster family back to her parents. It's just too much. Especially for a baby, like, if you really want these people to have a chance and everything, you shouldn't be apprehending kids this young. No, unless there is, like, a legit severely endangered reason, not just, like, speculation, like. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, it's really sad, too, because, like, there are a lot of cases we, we do, we have seen, and there have been, and... You know, even now, like, a lot of uh, foster agencies say, like, they try to keep families together. And, like, and I think what they mean by that is, like, they try to give kids to, like, extended family or whatever. Uh But there's often, like, a waiting period while they try to arrange that also. Which I don't get why. Especially when it's, like, the family is, like, I will take care Uh of it. And they're, like... Okay, and then it's, like, a six-month waiting process. It's, like, why? Like, mm-hmm. it's it's really sad. And the fact that we're seeing that 90% of the time the children are Indigenous when they're apprehended that young, it's, uh-huh. there is definitely some kind of, there's something going on. Yeah. I won't say what it is. I'm not going to claim to know all the answers, but there's definitely something going on. <clears throat> Agreed. Yeah. Uh, So by April 29th of the following year, so shortly after Phoenix's first birthday, Samantha gave birth to another baby named Echo. And again, the family underwent... Yeah, it was very cute. (laughs) (laughs) So again, the family underwent CFS assessment, and though custody remained with Steve and Samantha... In June 2001, police responded to a domestic violence call at the family's home, and by July 2001, the couple had separated. 
<clears throat> Steve Sinclair at this point had custody of both Phoenix and Echo. Um, and sadly, on July 15th, 2001, Echo died of a respiratory infection. And That's so sad. Yeah. There's really not much on how that happened or, like, the aftermath or, like, how they dealt with that. But they definitely should have been offered or received some kind of therapy. Oh, definitely. Having to deal with already, like, having a traumatic childhood Having to deal with the child and family services, Mm -hmm. uh, losing custody constantly. I mean, any one of those should have gotten some sort of therapy, but like all of those together, like most definitely. 100%. By the end of the summer, Phoenix and Claire's case had been referred to CFS several times. Steve Sinclair, her biological father was on record as the primary caregiver for Phoenix. However, Phoenix spent the majority of her time in the custody of a family friend named Kim Edwards. So by 2002, Phoenix and Clara's file was closed with CFS. However, by 2003, it was reopened again after Phoenix was hospitalized and the medical staff expressed concerns of neglect. Um, this one is honestly, like, I don't know how this happens, but she, um, she'd had a piece of styrofoam, like, lodged in her nasal passage. Mm -hmm. They determined it had been there for about four months at the time, and so it had become infected, and then medical personnel, of course, reported the possible neglect and everything Uh to CFS because they weren't really, they were... They were worried that her dad wasn't going to give her the antibiotics she needed to help fight the infection. Yeah. Which is a, that's a serious concern, like, at that point, like, definitely good. Yeah, like, the doctors are just doing, like, their job, like. Yeah, and, like, at this point, like, I'm not saying that, like, CFS shouldn't have been involved, but, like, it didn't really say why, like, they just were involved in me, I I think she may have had an older sibling. I I can't remember. It's in my notes somewhere here. We'll get to it. But, like, this is just, it's a really heartbreaking case. And, I mean, the the case itself kind of didn't kind of, it actually did spawn, like, the one of the biggest inquiries Mm -hmm. in, I think it was Manitoban history. But yeah, I'll get back on track here so I don't just go off on a tangent here. Because sometimes, like, when I don't follow my notes, I think I'm going to be like, yeah, I'll just wing it. And then winging it never ends well for anybody. Literally anybody. <laughs> that was the bad FYI. <laughs> 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 it, it wasn't me, I swear. <laughs> So in early July 2003, Phoenix was again removed from her father's custody and placed with Kim Edwards under a temporary guardianship. And if you remember, she had stayed with Kim Edwards in the past. So Phoenix would be uprooted once more 
in April 2004 when her mother, Samantha, came to take her for what was originally supposed to be a temporary visit. At this time, Samantha entered into a relationship with a man named Carl McKay, who went by the name Wes, and Phoenix began living full-time with the couple, who also had in their custody uh, McKay's 12-year-old son from a previous relationship and another son, who was 14 at the time, I believe. Uh, Phoenix's father, Steve, had by this time left the province to live in Ontario. And though Phoenix had been registered at Wellington School, which is an inner-city elementary school in Winnipeg, to attend nursery school in the fall of 2004, school personnel later reported never encountering Phoenix Sinclair or her, month, her, or her mother, Samantha Kimach. So... She never actually did so, go to school. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm trying to, like, keep my commentary to a minimum. I know, it's... But I'm like, that something just seems fishy about that to me. It's really hard for me, like, to see and just to imagine, yes. like, because, I mean, my... Like, I was pretty much uprooted from my mom into the custody of my grandparents when I was a kid so like it's it, it only happened a couple times but like I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be Phoenix's age and have to go through all that constant like shifting mm -hmm. because like that is a lot of emotional and mental trauma that people don't really understand yeah and the fact that phoenix was a toddler at the time like she didn't know like she wouldn't know how to express like adults don't know how to express that kind of trauma sometimes yeah <clears throat> i mean yeah drake is two and a half and he can't tell me when he has a headache i just have to figure it out on my own <laughs> yeah like like and then there's mean, that's just too much chaos for like a child especially because like i think it's what one to five years are like the base like years of mm -hmm. learning like stability and like absolutely all that kind of stuff like people don't understand how important being a parent is mm -hmm. and just how much parents are actually responsible for like they are the building blocks of every child's emotional and like mental like just the foundation development yeah like it's the foundation of everything yeah i don't know it's... oh i know every day i'm like am i doing enough i know is like... drake growing up to be smart and then he does something i'm like you're probably fine you're good like i feel like you're a pretty intelligent kid <laughs> i must be doing all right you're all right <laughs> I know. No, Drake. You're is... all right, kid. You're all right. <laughs> Drake is an awesome kid. I don't think you have anything to worry about. I mean, until he's a teenager, then we got a lot of shit to worry about. <laughs> don't be getting nobody pregnant. I'd hope not. Your grandmother will have your ass on a platter. <laughs> <laughs> I still love that he, like, rats you out to his grandma and then vice versa. He rats his grandma out to you. Oh, yeah. He did it this weekend. I'm like... I mean, at least it's not always the same person you're ratting out. But it's, like, it's, but it's always, like, something so dumb. Like, 
this weekend I wouldn't like give him like ice cream or something. And so we yeah. went to his grandma and was like, Nama, I came. And I'm like, I'm oh standing right here. I just told you no. It is 8.30 at night. Oh You're not having ice cream. Gosh. <laughs> I love how he asked me for cake that one time when you told him no. Like, I don't make the rules here. I don't live here. Freaking kids. Oh, I love him to so pieces, adorable. though. I know. Benji does that, too, though. When I go to his place, he just keep, he points at literally everything. And I'm like, dude, I have no idea if you're allowed to eat this right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Kids are funny. <laughs> Uh, new CFS files were opened, and um, CFS stands for Child and Family Services. I did mention that earlier, but I always I remember I kept writing CFS, and then I'm like, maybe I should say it out loud every so often. But yeah, so new Child and Family Services files were opened in November 2004 after Samantha gave birth to another child. And again in March of 2005, after there had been reports made of abuse against the couple, though although both of these files were quickly closed. Um, Question mark about that? Yeah, it. I mean, it's all it's all questionable. Uh, in April 2005. Samantha and Carl, I, I wrote Kimacha McKay, like, I know people like to refer to perpetrators as, like, by their last names and stuff, so. I do first names a lot. I yeah, think. so, like. Usually because last names are harder to pronounce. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in April 2005, uh, Samantha Kimach and Carl West McKay moved the family, did I mention that, to uh, Fisher River mm-hmm. Cree Nation? Um mm-hmm. Ryan's playing Apex Legends, I think, or Fortnite. <laughs> so yeah, so in as of April 2005, the family is living in Fisher River Cree Nation. Yet another CFS file was opened in May 2005 after someone claiming to be a member of the family called the agency with concerns of possible neglect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am going to say uh, that the following is just going to kind of go into detail a little bit about the abuse that Phoenix had endured during her time with her biological mother Samantha and Samantha's boyfriend uh-huh. so if that's something you don't want to hear in detail maybe skip forward a couple minutes I, I, I don't know how 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 much time but yeah uh, so periodically. <laughs> yeah so um over the next month Phoenix who at this point is just five years old endured severe physical and verbal abuse at the hands of her mother and her mother's boyfriend. It is not confirmed if the abuse started immediately after they took Phoenix into their custody in April 2004, which was the year before, or if it started after like a certain period of time. But Phoenix was frequently made to sleep in a cold basement without blankets. Um, She was given little to no food during her stay. And she was also forced to eat her own vomit. Uh, sorry, I don't want to, like, go off again. Yeah. But, like, 
you probably don't have the answer to this and her mom probably doesn't have the answer to this, but like, why get custody back of your child if you're just going, I don't even want to call Phoenix her child because no. like she doesn't deserve to say that she was her mom, but like, why come back to get, I guess like Phoenix, if you weren't going to be a parent to her and like, a, someone who's supposed to like protect and care for this child like well and other it just infuriates me like as a parent like and other honestly other things he did well I mean not that that shouldn't infuriate you but he Carl McKay would also periodically shoot Phoenix with a BB gun. What the and, fuck? And then he also would play a game called Choking the Chicken, which meant that he would strangle Phoenix until she lost consciousness. And so later in court, according to his testimony, uh, Carl's 12-year-old son saw his father beat Phoenix continuously for over 15 minutes as her mother looked on. So it wasn't like her mom didn't know what was happening or could faint any kind of... She knew what was happening. Like, everyone knew yeah. what was happening. And um, when the pair left the house that day after she... he After Carl McKay beat Phoenix... Um, it was the 12-year-old son that found that Phoenix wasn't breathing. So when to do that in front of a child and then have the child be the one to find the other child dead. That is just... That's horrible. Mm-hmm. And, it... and this is when I'm like, some people just... I don't know. You think Need it... to be, like, castrated from the get-go, like... You think it really can't get worse, and then you, like, there's, there's more, like, that's not even the end of anything, it isn't like, and then they were charged right away, it's like, no, um, Carl McKay's sons were returned to their mother in Winnipeg by CFS in July 2005, so this was a month after Phoenix had died. Mm -hmm. that this happened and Carl and Samantha also returned to the city with their baby in late 2005 and then had a second child together in December. Uh, they continued to claim welfare funds for Phoenix and told acquaintances that the girl was living with her father or another relative when questioned. So yeah, they are pretending that she wasn't murdered during this time. Disgusting. Mm hmm And in March 2006, which was about nine months after her death, Carl McKay's sons and their mother reported Phoenix's death to the police. Uh, McKay and Kimach were arrested after trying to pass off another girl as Phoenix, so, like, it just, it just keeps getting worse, <laughs> somehow. Just like, yeah, like you said, like, when you think it's not gonna get worse, it only just gets worse, and you're like, how the fuck was this going on for so long? And you just kinda, like, you just, it, like, every, every time there's a new little tidbit, it's like, what the fuck happened? Who... 
potentially saw all this happening like what was happening this this stuff happened over like two years it's mm-hmm. ridiculous um so on march 18th 2006 uh this would be about nine months after her death. Phoenix's body was found at the landfill in Fisher River. The land. Oh my God. See, yeah. I knew I knew some of this, but I didn't know like the details. And when yeah. I knew you were doing this, like I know you were sending me links and stuff, but I'm like, I'm not gonna read mm-hmm. it because I don't want to like. I don't want to. I want genuine, like, to have genuine reactions and stuff. And I'm just like, this is making me fucking. It makes rage. you want to like. It almost makes you want to like punch a hole in the wall. Cause yeah, just, and I'm like, I'm not an aggressive person, but I'm like, do and it's really fucking sad because it's not like this is one of those things where it's like, oh, this this is one of those exceptions where this kind of tragedy just is like a one off kind of thing. It's like it it's, no, this happens a lot. Yeah, and it's really fucked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Samantha Kimach and Carl McKay were convicted of first-degree murder in late 2008 and then sentenced to life imprisonment. The convictions were later confirmed on appeal, and Phoenix was buried in Brookside Cemetery in Winnipeg in April 2009. So she has been laid to rest. Uh, her death, however... Um, Obviously, when people heard about it, it caused a huge public outcry, mm-hmm. and people demanded an inquiry into her death, obviously, because of how often... Just, like, big chunks of snow falling off the roof. Oh, like, it looked like yeah. people were throwing, like, snowballs off the roof or something. <laughs> yeah. So this, like, Phoenix Sinclair's death, sparked one of the biggest inquiry like public inquiries mm-hmm. and like I, w- I was reading a little a little bit through it and some of it is like I'll have to like I, I really want to do like a whole episode on the inquiry itself so it could even be like a follow-up or a part two but yeah um after skimming it a little bit like it definitely like CFS for sure dropped the ball. I know oh, that I like any time there's some kind of in like independent investigation into police shootings or anything like that, it's always he's like, yeah, it's an independent investigation, but also you're like, nah, but you're still kind of you're and, still connected to it, like yeah. And I know that. Well, well, with this case especially, I feel like anybody, not necessarily even just Indigenous people, like a lot of non-Indigenous people too, not necessarily saying that you have to be Indigenous to care about the rights and stuff, but Mm -hmm. I think this was one of those deaths where it kind of created outrage in everybody. Yeah. Instead of one of those, oh, like, just another one of those deaths gonna happen, like what we saw with Tina Fontaine. 
mm-hmm. um, and it could be because Phoenix was like five years old as opposed to like older. I don't know. <laughs> Either way, she was yeah five instead of a troubled teen mm-hmm. or whatever bullshit they want to. Which is like it's really shitty because like once you like and I'm not you know uh, absolving or <laughs> trying to. Uh, defend Samantha Kimmage at all but it did say that both Steve Sinclair and Samantha had traumatic childhoods and that could entail abuse it could entail like really anything it could also be that like they um their parents were residential school survivors something like that and like there's generational trauma so but that by no means excuses, you know, child abuse and neglect. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, like, we have to... Well, one, I personally believe we need to stop apprehending children immediately after birth. Yeah. And we need to start figuring out new ways to support families that suffer challenges that... You know, just the, like, things you can treat, like substance addiction or um, any, like, mental health issues because you can't just, you can't just keep taking a kid. No. Especially because, like, and I'm not CFS that in- is so, like, overworked at this point. They don't have the resources to, like, place these kids properly and, like, do all the background checks and, like... And it's all that, like, well, and it's also like you have to keep in mind too, like people in in any profession sometimes like just get that like that burnt out feeling. Yeah, and I can't imagine getting that burnt out feeling in this kind of line of work because, like, I know like it's wrong to shit on all like child welfare agencies and everything because there are definitely ones that are super helpful and have like really really good people working for them yeah um but there just needs to be a hell of a lot more government support for like welfare agencies and also families and i don't know we should just stop taking kids (laughs) we should just stop taking babies from their moms because it really and i'm going to talk about this in our in my residential schools uh, series that's going to come up. Sorry that I'm kind of rambling here at the end. Uh, I promise to be more cohesive when we do our residential school episode. But just how it's very similar, like the child welfare system in Canada is very similar to the residential school system. Mm-hmm. That was supposedly abolished in Canada so it's not necessarily that it was abolished it was just kind of like rebranded yeah rebranded got makeup put on (laughs) new nails who dis (laughs) so yeah we're gonna discuss that we're gonna discuss the similarities and what we can do to kind of dismantle it because I know um well like I said earlier in the episode uh, 90% of the children in foster care are Indigenous. Yeah. Which is 
a huge, I feel like that is just a phenomenal number in a bad way. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, uh, yeah, like if any of you guys listening have any input or like personal stuff you want like added in or yeah like anything like that like send us a dm on instagram or an email or yeah like if you work with cfs or if you work with some kind of welfare agencies or anything Mm -hmm. um if you can shed some light on any anything to do with our cases like we're we're always open we're always here to look at everybody's side because like we've said we like we know people who are like social workers and Mm -hmm. like my therapist is a social worker yeah (laughs) so there definitely are people who care we know that um but in cases like phoenix and claire's unfortunately it really didn't seem like a lot of people cared no. enough about her and people just didn't advocate enough about her until after it was too late mm-hmm. and then yeah which and I'm like that doesn't help anybody so no and we need to like there are definitely situations where children do need to be apprehended because their lives are in danger so mm-hmm. like we're not gonna say like never but that should 100% always be like tearing a family apart should 100% always be like a last resort like yeah. to save a life kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Not just like I said earlier like on a suspicion or like Yeah, and we're not we're not um like I'm not talking out of my ass here like I'm I was in the foster care system as a child so and like and I'm not gonna go into too much detail about my life or my trauma because Mm -hmm. that's nobody's business yeah but um but yeah just so you know I'm not I'm not like talking out of my ass so I'm there I'm familiar with the system and that I was part of the system yeah so and I mean like my mom was in the foster care system Mm -hmm. she didn't talk to me much about it yeah. And I'm like, that's not for me to push you on no, it. So it's, yeah, it's just like my grandma is a residential school survivor, and while I am going to do a pot like podcast episodes on it, I personally don't feel like I should ask her about that because I don't yeah. know, it's not something I feel like I should even be asking her to talk to me about because it deals with trauma and everything so. mm-hmm. and it's like if you want to talk about it like that's I feel, your choice like yeah like it's something that has to be shared with you it's not something you can request yeah just like any kind of trauma like mm-hmm. um i know jordan posted on her instagram about like how somebody asked her like about something in her past and she was like it's not like I'm not obligated to tell you what happened to me and you don't you shouldn't be asking people because it just like brings that all back up yeah. and most people just don't want to fucking think about it anymore mm-hmm. like like I've 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 had things in like past relationships that I'm like I just pretend that it never happened because I don't want to fucking think about yeah. it I don't want to talk about it like and it's nobody's business unless I feel like telling you about it. Well, like, yeah, 100%. Everybody has their own shit that they're dealing with. And 
I don't know. We don't need to know everybody's business. No, like I know I like I what was it? I love making really dark comments about my past or my childhood, but that's like my coping mechanism. So yeah. like <laughs> I'm allowed to joke about it. Don't make fun of me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No one would make fun of me. I don't know. Here I am again going off on a little tangent. But yeah. We that is the episode Sorry, um, I'm distracted. No no. With the snap group for your birthday thing. Oh. <laughs> 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 but yeah, we'll we'll there's blood on my thumb. <laughs> What happened? What the hell? And this has been another episode of The Voiceless, a true crime podcast. Cheyenne has blood on her thumb. <laughs> Tune in next week to I find out where that came from. Time. I was here the whole time. You were my Can't alibi. prove shit. <laughs> Come for me, bitches. A cup. <laughs>